GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Taking a deep dive into football today, it's uh, great to be joined in the studio by Stephen Gonzalez and Julian Valverde, uh, who today, uh, as the Football Association, are celebrating 10 years of membership of UEFA. Good afternoon, gents. 10 years already. 10 years, yeah, it's gone by really quickly. It's flown. Um, Do you remember the day, 10 years ago? I do. I wasn't involved actually with the GFA until 2014, but I remember the day quite um, vividly as um, everybody came back from from the UEFA Congress in in London and straight out to that um, street party in Casemates, which I think you were covering. Yes, what what an ambiente. Um, I mean, there's a real feel-good moment. Uh, felt that Gibraltar was actually being recognised by the international community, which uh, I suppose taps into uh, our broader uh, sort of uh, narrative, no? that, that uh, Gibraltar deserves to, to be a self-governing territory. So I suppose there was all of the, the political identity uh, tied in with it. But for most footballers, it was about the chance to be able to play European football uh, against some of the the best players in the world. Right? For some of them, look, to live their dreams that they'd grown up with, you know. The, um, players my age, like Lee and Roy, who have played most of their careers in Gibraltar, they'd never had a chance of even contemplating playing for Gibraltar, you know, in, in, in an international friendly, let alone uh, a European qualifier or a World Cup qualifier or, or even later on, as we've seen in the last five years, the Nations League. Um, so they those for them were were dreams that they had as kids, you know, of being able to to play for Gibraltar in something other than perhaps the Island Games or or um, or local pre-season matches that had been arranged against clubs that were in the area that perhaps agreed to play on a on the old Victoria Stadium AstroTurf pitch in the time. So so yeah, it's for them for people like that. It's been. It's been a godsend at the latter end of their careers, and they're still going strong. I remember it being Julian like uh, quite an emotional time, no? Like the even the the sort of videos that were produced as part of the campaign leading up to it, it, it sort of got us all feeling quite emotional. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. And and I was actually I remember in 2012 when I actually made my my debut for Gibraltar. Um, talk was ongoing then, early early in 2012, and um, yeah, I mean then. I mean, fast forward a year later, and wearing UEFA, it was so so. Yeah, I mean, it was brilliant. You, you played right back. I actually played centre back. I was playing centre back for Lincoln for for a couple of years, actually, at the tender age of thirty six. But now seeing Roy and Lee still playing at, at the tender age of forty, it's yeah, like yeah. incredible. You, you could have carried on for a few more yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> my leg, my legs gave up on me. Um, I, I know the feeling. Don't worry, I know the feeling. Um, Excellent. So, so that's 2013, uh, a, a memorable day for for football fans, and and it seems uh, on this at the same time that uh, those ten years have like flown by. Um, seems like just yesterday, but at the same time, you think of all of the matches that have been played, all of the conversations that have been had around football since, uh, and uh, and there's a lot of water under the bridge as well. Of course, but we don't shy away from that. Football is. It is what it is. It's the biggest sport in the world. It's a global phenomenon. And in, and what makes football the beautiful game nowadays is that everyone has an opinion and everyone likes to talk about it. Um, whether you're talking about a team selection, whether you're talking about the tactics a manager has done, the players he's picked, you know, um, that's that's um, one of the beautiful aspects of, of modern football. And it's what gets everyone engaged and talking about it so, so vividly and so emotionally and so passionately. So is, for you, is it like... Um... Uh, sometimes a bit of a, like a, a pinch myself. I'm actually working full time in football situation. Totally, I, I, mean, can, I can sense if, the passion of in course, your voice. If no? you think about it, you grow up for for thirty years, if you like, 
watching football sitting in the stands and then you 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 get to do it as your job it's it's almost like 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 your vocation you know what i mean as a as a as not just a football fan but a sports fan communications and media manager Stephen, uh, tell us in brief what that entails dealing with you <laughs> sounds difficult <laughs> can be some of the times <laughs> you enjoy yeah, it but yeah of course i mean it you what one of the the great little things is that you get to to speak to and um and um facilitate interviews and and sound bites and and um pieces to camera with with media organizations not just in Gibraltar but abroad and it gives you a a, a very big um sort of perception of of what football brings to to Gibraltar the um the global element of it you just have to to go through the viewing figures of 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 the national team and and not just the national team the the under 21s the women's the all the other stuff that nowadays goes on not on mainstream TV, but on on our YouTube channels and and streams and everything else, and it gives you a a picture of how football can can export Gibraltar to the world. And um, it almost has, in respect of media, it almost has its own ecosystem, no? Because it's it's there's so much that uh, you know. You guys, if anybody follows you on social media, they'll have noticed that even your presence there. Uh, and covering games yourself, you know, like it, it's just growing all the time. It's growing all the time. There's an appetite for it. No? Totally, there's an appetite for it. And like I said, football is 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 consumed everywhere globally. Whether whether you whether it's in a country that you think that their national sport is something else, they're still talking about football. And and it's 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 incredible to see the amount of people that watch us on TV, not just in Gibraltar, not just in countries in Europe that you'd think. Or you naturally say, ah, because Gibraltar playing the European qualifiers, it's European nations that are watching us. No, it's 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 truly global. Uh, let's bring in Julian, uh, Julian Valverde, projects and human resources manager. What what does your job entail? So yeah, so, so my job is is mainly to uh, oversee all all our projects uh, in the association. So um, that's sort of yeah, it takes up at least thirty uh, percent of my time, and then it's the human resources side of life. So. Um, checking out with with all the departments and 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 reviewing constantly what's required to take the the association forward do you bring military precision to it given <laughs> your background yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Stephen's laughing i know that, yeah <laughs> yeah there's an ongoing joke in the office um um but uh, but yeah it's it's good you know what i mean i think what i bring is uh, i think a uh, a level a level headed calmness i think with with sort of my at least strategical and analytical mind with regards to to my military background. You know, I, mean, I was there for for twenty six years, um, but uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think the dynamics in the office with with regards to all all the personalities um, makes us a, a unique association. Okay, um, we're going to carry on the conversation in the studio, but you guys celebrated um, uh, at the top of the rock last night at the Monscalpe Suite, um, and you brought together players club managers uh former players uh, you brought you, you brought a couple of uefa delegates over Stephen. i don't know if you want to tell us about that yeah so we we wanted to mark and commemorate the 10 years of um being uefa members um and obviously uefa for things like that would send over relevant dignitaries to um to commemorate the occasion from their perspective as well it's it's quite an important um occasion for one of their member associations um so they sent over carl eric nielsen who is the outgoing president of the swedish fa and the first vice president of uefa 
Um, they sent over as well Michael van Prague kindly, who was our UEFA portfolio holder when he was the president of the Dutch FA in 2013 and on the UEFA Exco, who helped us and guided us through those first years in 2013, right up to the vote in London, and then taking us through into our early years of UEFA membership, passing on his immense expertise that he gained working for the KMVB and on UEFA's Exco. He seems Fa- to have a soft spot for Gibraltar, no? He knows us well and, he and does. is yeah, fond yeah. He's, of the work he's being been done He's been there since, since, since 2013, so, um, so he's, he's, and, he's, and, he, and ever since he's sort of reduced his, his workloads as he, as he gets on, um, he's, um, he's always maintained a very, very strong interest and, and, and a very, very personal interest as well, which, which goes to show that UEFA did not appoint just anyone to, oh, these guys are coming in, let's give them whoever to, to make sure that, they, that they're kept quiet and, and, and tick every box. No, they, they, they've appointed us someone who's, who's taken a very, very genuine and personal interest in our development over the last 10 years and continues to do so. OK, so at uh, this event last night, marking 10 years of UEFA membership, um, GBC spoke to Michael Jamas, uh, to uh, Carl-Eric Nielsen, Michael Van Prague, these uh, two UEFA uh, dignitaries who were sent uh, to, to mark the occasion. And um, we covered uh, junior football, women's football, the new stadium plans, and um, and we started off by asking... Um, um, what health is Gibraltar football in on this 10th anniversary of UEFA membership? We'd love to know what you think of that if you're listening at home. 266 200 is how you can get in touch. What is the state of Gibraltar football? What health is it in on this 10th anniversary? Uh, a question that we put to uh, Michael Van Prague, to um, uh, who else? Carl Nielsen, and, uh, and first to the GFA president, Michael Jamas. In 10 years, uh, it's a long time, but it's gone by so quickly. So many things have happened in these last 10 years. Unquestionably a steep learning curve for such a small place, such a small administration, where we were before membership and where we are now. We've professionalised the whole administration of football, both at, at the GFA level and indeed the clubs who have had their own challenges. So a lot of certainly happened in these 10 years. Mistakes have been done and we don't shy away from recognising them, but we're solid, we're moving forward, we embrace the future and we stand ready for another 10 years of UEFA membership. I know it was a struggle to get there, but um, 10 years ago I was a member of the executive committee of UEFA, so I also attended the Congress, but we had already the day before in the executive committee meeting decided that we would support uh, Gibraltar to become a, a UEFA member because there was, a, there was a verdict by the CAS to do it and we didn't want to stop it. And today I'm very happy that, uh, that it happened because uh, Gibraltar has become a very important and good member. Excellent. Um, so you've been involved from the start and, and you weren't just there when the decision was made. You also oversaw, uh, from a UEFA perspective, Gibraltar's first years as members. Well, all the years, till I stopped three years ago, because um, an executive committee member has a few, is portfolio holder of a few countries. Uh, you're the, you're the, the input, uh, if they want to talk to the exco, they go to the portfolio holder. If we can be of help, the portfolio holder is the first one to do it. 
And I always said, give me the small countries. So I thought, I want to have Gibraltar. And I got it. And uh, from that on, uh, they, from that day on, uh, there was a close cooperation between them and me. And we became real friends because we met each other many, many times. I was also involved in the new stadium project with a few other locations we had chosen before. Uh, I was able uh, also to help a little bit uh, to become FIFA member because that was the next hurdle. So yeah, we know each other a lot. Would you say that football is in good health on this 10th anniversary? It is in good health. It is growing. Uh, there are the right people at the helm. Uh, there is the, 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 the right people in Gibraltar who are very sportive and would like to, to do sports in any way, in every way. So yeah, I'm very confident that uh, in Europe we will, hear, we will hear more of Gibraltar in the coming years. Ten years is in football not so very long time. It's, it's a few Euros and World Cups and then ten European Cup finals and so on. But I think we, we must say that European uh, Gibraltarian football has a very long history. It was one of the earliest established football associations, but it's only ten years as a member in UEFA. And I think during these years the national team has been involved in qualifiers and Nations League and also promoted to Group C in Nations League. That is strong. And Lincoln Redims did an impressive job and also made it to the group stage of the Conference League. And I think that's a great sportive achievement for these, uh, during these 10 years. But also when you walk around the pitches today, see the young boys and girls there and they are uh, during the, uh, the uh, they are overlooked by by experienced coaches. So the possibility to develop and to educate and to have good facilities that is of course important. And this is a possibility when you are a part of a bigger family. So in that perspective, I hope that the, the big European football family has helped uh, the Gibraltarian football to develop. And I think and I'm sure that also the membership of Gibraltar in the big family has also brought in good ideas and good views to benefit for the rest of Europe. So it's, it's a win-win situation. The voice of Carl Eric Nielsen, who is currently the first UEFA vice president, like the, the principal, the main vice president uh, at Europe's uh, football governing body. Uh, we also heard from Michael Van Prague, who was part of the executive committee at UEFA until recently and, um, and had Gibraltar as his portfolio. Uh, so he was the point person for the Gibraltar FA for some seven years. Uh, he's reflected warmly there uh, on the health of Gibraltar football, as did Michael Jamas, who acknowledged that there have been some challenges. The GFA president said we've made some mistakes, uh, but he's feeling confident as he looks ahead to the next 10 years of UEFA membership for Gibraltar. Uh, on this 10th anniversary of joining UEFA, what health is Gibraltar football in? What would, what would you guys say to that question? What health is football on the rock in at the moment? I think if you compare it to 10 years ago, it's chalk and cheese night and day, but off the off the pitch and on the pitch. The quality of the players playing is always up for debate. That's what makes football, we've been talking about before, what makes football so great and so so beautifully like around the world where everyone has an opinion on who plays where or who plays in what position and everything else. 
but uh, look we're not we won't we can't shy away from from the infrastructural issues that we've had for the last 10 years that um, our president spoke to you about um, last night the stadium project is crucial we need to have our national teams playing in Gibraltar we need to have our club teams playing in Gibraltar when they play in European competitions as they will be doing this summer um, but yes um, look football now has moved into a more modern professional world again on the pitch and off the pitch and I think the next 10 years will only show how how that's going to develop we told you that we would talk uh, in these next 20 minutes or so about um, the new stadium plans as well as junior football and women's football. Uh, and let's start with women's football before we return to the live conversation here uh, in the studio. Let me remind you that um, we uh, were, are reporting on an event last night by the Football Association at the Top of the Rock at which uh, the GFA president spoke as well as the chief minister, Fabian Picardo, gave a short address. Both of them touched upon women's football uh, and uh, we also heard from Michael Van Prague, who is uh, a former UEFA executive committee member and uh, had a lot of involvement in the first seven years of Gibraltar's UEFA membership. Uh, Mr. Van Prague, Mr. Picardo and first Mr. Yamas spoke about women's football in Gibraltar. This is a very difficult decision that the GFA took. Um, I can assure you and everyone that it was based on purely sporting grounds. You may agree with them or not agree with them. What we don't tolerate is the gratuitous comments and negative comments on the GFA, which others have extrapolated for this, which is absolute nonsense. I think there are three cohorts. Of, of, of those who have criticised the project. There, there are the players and the families and those who genuinely follow women's football and I fully understand their disappointment. And then there are others who are just joining a bandwagon of I don't think they've ever cared about women's football, but since hitting uh, at the GFA has become an issue, they've joined that, and I don't think uh, there's any merit in listening to, 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 to those people. We can't engage in social media, because if we engage in social media, then we're going to spend all our time doing that. So we are confident of the decisions that we've taken. We give a lot of importance to women's football. There are a lot of things that we're doing uh, to improve uh, women's football, to raise the standards. We keep on working on that, and that is really uh, good work that we're doing. And look, to give you just an example of how much we care about uh, women's football, for some months now I've been uh, talking very closely to Debbie Hewitt, who is the new and the first chairwoman of the English FA, and the General Secretary Van Rova and myself have been invited by her to the uh, FA Cup final uh, next week and we're going to have a meeting with, uh, with uh, Ms Hewitt where we're going to discuss the establishment of a new and historical working relationship between the FA and the English FA. And there are two subjects that I've been discussing with her at length well before this incident of the women's football happened. One of them was youth football and the other one was precisely women's football. So we are doing things for, for, for the women's game and I hope and I'm pretty sure that the results will show in due course. Well, the main challenges is, for instance, women's football. That is a big challenge for everybody in Europe. 
But this morning, eh, we were talking about the women's football here in Gibraltar. I told them, listen, guys, I come from Holland. It took us 15 to 20 years to build it up. And we have a much bigger population. Here you have a much smaller population. So it needs also patience. And you have to set up a competition. The, the players have to become better. And um, that's a matter of time. And the second uh, thing is, of course, the stadium. Because we have been uh, talking about the stadium for so many years now. And I have the feeling that uh, there is a breakthrough, that it will really happen. And that is the next step, because when you have a more comfortable stadium, more people in Gibraltar tend to buy a ticket and to go and watch a match. Nowadays, you also, you, you, you not just want to look at a good match, but you also want some comfort and you want to be able to be in a safer environment, buy your drink, go to the toilet in a decent way. That is nine, that's 2023. So those are the two challenges in my point of view. The government of Gibraltar entirely supports women's football in Gibraltar and the work that's being done in women's football. We know that any decision that is being made is being made in order to enhance women's football and we support that women's football should be enhanced and that women's football in Gibraltar in the future I think will be, I'm sorry to say boys, even better than men's football. Uh, and I'm sure that that will be the case and will be the case very soon. Fabian Picardo, the Chief Minister, Michael Jamas, the GFA President, and Michael Van Prague, uh, a former UEFA Executive Committee member with uh, significant interest in Gibraltar football, reflecting on uh, women's football on this, the 10th anniversary of Gibraltar joining UEFA. It's uh, it's great to have in the studio uh, with us uh, Stephen Gonzalez, who is the communications and media manager for uh, the GFA, as well as Julian Valverde, who's their projects and human resources manager. And uh, and now we're also going to welcome into the studio Melanie Cipollina Giliano, who uh, is part of the Gibraltar Today team and has also uh, reported on many. Uh, GFA matches um, as uh, a former sports reporter. Uh, good afternoon to you all. Um, women's football has been a significant conversation in recent um, weeks. Uh, does anybody want to come in on, on what we've just heard? And perhaps, uh, Stephen, on, on this idea uh, that Mr Van Prague mentioned that in Holland it took uh, 25 years, I think he said, for, for women, the women's game to grow to where they wanted it to be. Exactly, like he says, from his perspective, as he's been involved in 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 the growth of women's football in 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 Holland, but women's football across the globe is growing at a rapid, rapid rate. Um, not just not just um, in Gibraltar or in or in Holland, but even in England. Just because the Lionesses have won the the recent Euros doesn't mean that women's football is stopping or, or has reached a peak. It's 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 growing as a sport, infrastructurally on and off the pitch from the women's Super League. The way that's growing with TV revenues that that's generating organically, as opposed to having to rely on the FA and and the men's Premier League, if you like, to to fund it. So so what we have to do entirely is is make sure that the women's football pyramid in Gibraltar from top to bottom and the women's national team is just the top of that that the that the pyramid itself is strong from the foundations all the way up right through our playmakers programs which are which are extremely popular our front Fridays campaigns which has more youngsters playing young girls playing football football than ever before so ensure that the next generation of the sport is is catered for and and have all the tools in place to be able to go on to to represent Gibraltar everywhere 
We've got one question, Stephen. I don't know if uh, if, if yourself or Julian feel um, that it's appropriate for you to uh, to answer it. But uh, having heard uh, what Mr. Jamas had to say, Anne has got in touch to ask if the GFA could elaborate at all on what the sporting reasons are for not um, feeling that the women's team is ready for the Nations League and and also why not after 10 years of membership? Well, I think we first need to say that the women's team has never actually entered and has never been entered. They haven't actually been withdrawn from any competition. So the sporting decision has been taken by our sporting members of staff who are, are working constantly with, with the women's team um, in and around their coaching sessions and and what they have seen and what they have assessed the team from top to bottom and they feel that they're better off in 2025. They will give them two more years to prepare. They have a huge plan in place on how they're going to prepare the girls. They're not just... when It's it's not a case of, no, we're not going to the Nations League in 2023 and abandoning the national women's team at all. That's, that's totally far from the case. They've got a huge plan in place to prepare them for 2025, which is when the next cycle of the Nations League comes around. Okay, um, we could talk more about women's football, but um, we're going to move on to the stadium because we want to cover that and also junior football before uh, two o'clock. So um, let's get to it. Uh, A new stadium. Of course, plans announced uh, a while back by the Football Association. Some conversations around that as well. What's the latest? We heard from, um, again, Michael Van Prague, former UEFA Executive Committee member on the importance of new infrastructure. We got the latest from the Chief Minister, Fabian Picardo, but first the GFA President, Michael Jamas. Well, that criticism and uh, many others um, are largely misinformed. Um, I can give you some examples. I mean, Mr Nunez himself has said that he thinks there are 27 Category 4 stadiums in Europe. In fact, it's more like 400. Why? Because this is the norm. And when you've got a norm, you've got to comply with it. And therefore, we have to build a Category 4 stadium in order to be able to host all our national team games and all our European club games. Being a Category 4 stadium comes with a lot of conditions. Capacity is one of the many. We have a dispensation on capacity, which was given to us in a letter some years ago. So the the statutory requirement today, when you read UEFA statutes, is still 8,000, but we've got a letter telling us that smaller nations can go for a smaller capacity stadium. We are looking at all of this in the mix, and we will take a decision based on what is rational and what is appropriate and what is achievable. And are you concerned that uh, the GSD opposition have taken such an adversarial uh, position on this new stadium and they would not want it to go ahead were they elected at the next general election? Well, I think what they've said is that they wanted to go ahead on the basis that was announced uh, using the Gibraltar Saving Bank's uh, fund. I mean, that's all they've said. They can't be opposed to the construction of a stadium, obviously. Opposed to the project as it is currently designed in respect of the finance? Well, the project is an evolving thing, so let's wait and see what we come up with. We have been talking about the stadium for so many years now, and I have the feeling that there is a breakthrough, that it will really happen, and that is the next step, because when you have a more comfortable stadium, 
more people in Gibraltar tend to buy a ticket and to go and watch a match. You also, nowadays, you also, you, you, you not just want to look at a good match, but you also want some comfort and you want to be able to be in a safer environment, buy your drink, uh, go to the toilet in a decent way. That is 19, that's 2023. So uh, today, luckily, as we're celebrating uh, this, uh, this anniversary, is also the day that I've been asked by my team, Javi here, to sign um, an exemption for the turf that's going to be imported from import duty for the new area of Victoria where you will play before the final demolition of the current Victoria Stadium. But even more important than that, I'm here to tell you that as long as I am Chief Minister of Gibraltar, His Majesty's Government of Gibraltar will be committed to delivering a stadium for the GFA down at Victoria. And we will make it happen. There have been meetings about that today. We're refining the process. The process will be one which I think the whole community will be able to support. A lot of what has been said in the past weeks, I think, will be only fish and chip paper when we're done and we make the final announcement of how it's going to look, how it's going to be developed, how much it's going to cost, and the fantastic facility it will be when it is finished. So that commitment you certainly have from me. The latest on plans for a new stadium at uh, the uh, the site of the current Victoria Stadium, uh, as uh, discussed last night, an event at an event to mark the tenth anniversary of Gibraltar joining European football's governing body. Uh, Julian Valverde is here in the studio representing uh, the GFA. Uh, Julian uh, Kay has said that uh, for him it's a travesty that a new football stadium will cater for apartments, shops but not for grassroots football. I don't know if you, if you want to uh, respond to that at all. Well, with, with regards to a project, um, every, every project is evolving. And so at the, at the moment, I mean, there's some plans and those plans could potentially um, see some amendments in the future. Uh, with regards to, to the grassroots, um, we, we are actually developing what is the pitch to site to be extended. So, um, I mean, infrastructure-wise, we're not actually losing any ground for, for, for grassroots. Uh, you would probably find that we have some more smaller pitches there as well. Okay, and that was another of the talking points at the 10th anniversary uh, event. Uh, And on this topic, we heard from Carl-Eric Nielsen, who is currently uh, uh, first UEFA vice president. And uh, we also heard from the GFA president, Michael Jamas. As a former player myself, at least until the age of 16, I look with pride and envy at the experience that our current generation have. We're now investing a lot on youth football and just trying to make the experience better and better for them. Yet despite that... A lot of um, Gibraltar's leading young players are playing in Spain. Is that a concern for you? Yes, to a certain extent it is, and we've got to make sure that happens less and less. They do get very valuable experience there. There's more competition, obviously. There's so much we can do. In a, in a small place like Gibraltar. But yes, we should be doing more to make sure that our youth, uh, our youth uh, players stay and play more here in Gibraltar. And very finally, Mr Nielsen, um, what would your advice be to uh, a young boy or girl who loves football and is thinking about spending more time playing it? 
Contact your club, the club you have closest to your heart. Start training there and try to enjoy every moment and uh, try to also encourage your, your friends, boy, other boys and girls to be there because football is, is a beautiful sport and it's also a very, very good way of, of develop both yourself and also a big importance for the rest of the society. So more, more people and more boys and girls should play football. Carl-Eric Nielsen, the first UEFA vice president, currently the, the sort of uh, primary or principal uh, UEFA vice president, uh, speaking to us on an event to mark 10 years of UEFA membership for Gibraltar. We also heard from Michael Jamas, the GFA president. We're almost out of time, but we're going to give Melanie Cipollina Giliano the last question for our GFA guests. Melanie? Well, I think a question that concerns a lot of people in Gibraltar, both well, parents and the kids, is um, what's coming up next? What what competition is going to be put out to provide for the very talented players? Because we all know that most of those cross the border to play football there. Junior players are talking about? Junior football, youth players, you know. Um, And I'm sure that parents and their children alike would like to be in Gibraltar to to receive that coaching. Is GFA going to be looking into a way of being able to bring those players back and then form a proper youth league where they have a good level of competition? Look, I think it's 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 fair to say that within the net within the last two years, year and a half since we've essentially revolutionised the way we look at youth football with the employment of the full-time youth development officer, the way the leagues have been run this year, from a very very young age all the way up to the under seventeen level, there have been massive massive changes even in the way that the leagues are structured from from the Christmas period sort of the second half of this season and we're always looking at ways to change and to, to develop and to get better and to implement better coaching uh, systems so that the coaching that our players get uh, is better and is and is the best possible coaching and and um, sort of other off the field type things with, with, with kids, nutritional side of things, strength and conditioning um, programs that we can give them and every possible chance to perform to the best of their abilities that they can do within Gibraltar. The flip side to that is ultimately we're limited in space, size and population. So there is only so much that we can give them. So elite youth players will always want to migrate somewhere where the competition is of a higher standard to, to test themselves at, at a better and higher level. And unfortunately, because there's nothing else for them in Gibraltar or nothing else in terms of the level of competition that they're looking for, they will have to at some point migrate somewhere, whether it's Spain, whether it's the UK in the future to to, to better themselves that, that, that I think will always be the case now or in 10, 20 years time Alright we're out of time Stephen I think you wanted to do one final thing before yeah. we say goodbye um, You asked me what my job was as a media officer and I cheekily said was dealing with you and <laughs> <laughs> you guys before but look Jonathan you were there with us in 2013 even before Julian and I were involved in in the GFA and as a token of appreciation I wanted to give you this um, one of our commemorative shirts which, which will be available shortly online Amazing. to buy um, and it marks the 10 years of Gibraltar being a UEFA member um, oh, lovely. from 2013 yeah. to today. So what, yeah, Looks so really good. It fits. Yeah, 500 unique have been made so, so yeah. Amazing. Well, uh, it's been a privilege to, to document the uh, Gibraltar Football Association, a very old and uh, rich in history association, but to document the 10 years of UEFA membership. Uh, thank you to Julian Valverde and to Stephen Gonzalez for joining us. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like.
Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.